Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello. You're listening to the KGFC Festival Talks podcast. I'm your host, Craig Horsley, and we are coming to you from Kew Gardens Festival of Cinema. We've been running since August 3rd, and we complete our wonderful festival on August 12th. We've been playing at the UA uh, Midway in Forest Hills, which is on Continental Avenue and Queens Boulevard, and also at the Queens Museum, located in Flushing Meadows Corona Park. That's the home of the 1965 World's Fair, and also still the home of the iconic Unisphere. And today we are talking with the director and writer, of uh, Virginia, Minnesota. His name is Daniel Stein, and the wonderful actress who starred in the uh, one of the stars of the film, Rachel Hendricks. Welcome. Well, hey, thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah, glad to be here. Um, so, I don't talk about the film because I don't want to make any spoilers for for our listeners. So, uh, Daniel, please tell us about the film. Sure. Yeah, it's a. Um well, it's a kind of a comedy drama, and it's about these um, these girls who grew up grew up in a uh, home uh, for. They were these kids that came from neglected families, and they grew up in this home on the Minnesota coastline, right on Lake Superior. And uh, when they were younger, there was a tragedy that struck, and the home kind of had to shut down, and the and the foster kids were all sent their own separate ways. And the story picks up 15 years after that event, where the kids are, uh, or adults now rather are summoned back to open the will of the the lady that ran the place, this really strict lady that ran the place. And um, <clears throat> one of them doesn't want to come back, so uh, one of her best friend has to kind of force her back so she can get it over with, open this will, move on with their lives. And, uh, and it becomes kind of an ad- adventure getting back to that house, and they encounter some local Minnesota legends, and, a, and it gets kind of funny and strange and dramatic, and, and uh, yeah. Yeah, it's... it's, it's Quite an adventure. I mean, and, and, and you could see it through the various locations and the people yes. that, that you have in the, uh, in the film. You've got um, some troubadours and performers. Uh, what was your inspiration for this film? You know, I'd, I'd, um, it comes from a couple different places. My, my grandfather, uh, he ran a home not too uh, dissimilar to the one that I described there but in Pennsylvania, but it was for uh, boys from, from these kind of broken families. And uh, growing up, he would tell me some stories that were both kind of, some were funny, some were sad, some were kind of inspiring. And I always wanted to make a film that kind of uh, touched on or, or built on some of the stories that he would tell me. So, uh, And then when I found uh, some of the locations in Minnesota, I was so inspired by that, that some of the incredible incredible scenery and some of the uh, the quirky people and that I met and stuff so I kind of blended some ideas together and of course the more I learned about the um, the legends and the folklore of that area too it just seemed uh, ripe for storytelling you know I mean the locations are beautiful and and you've yeah. got a little bit of uh, Viking stories in there and you've got some great animation it starts with some wonderful animation mm-hmm. the yeah. film. Um, now, Rachel, you are the best friend who's on, 
I mean, you were the best friend, but 15 years earlier, you really hadn't seen your your friend. Um, so it was not only a a journey geographically, but emotionally also for your character. Right. I think it was sort of an anticlimactic 15-year uh, reunion when she finally sees Addison for the first time after um, they've separated when this tragedy happens. And you have, um, you, you, I think as a viewer, when you're watching that moment, it's interesting how we all might be able to imagine what that would be like to come back to... Um, where you left off after 15 years um, but I think what, what what essentially you find out in the film is um, they're really still these kids at you know, at this home um, that have postponed so much of their growing up um, having not dealt with it yet and it's interesting to see the, the anticlimactic um, moment sort of play out the way that it does and the tension and the um, frustrations that Lyle's bringing with her and geographically, from the home, you're looking at like an hour and a half, two-hour drive, actually, um, to get from where they were in Larsmont to um, Grand Marais. We don't see that in the film. It doesn't. I don't think it's very relevant. But she slept in her car, and she's really um, aggravated that Addison has put her foot down and said, "I'm not coming back," and um, she has to change her mind. Um, the the film has so many scenes, so many... Uh, what kind of changes did you, as the writer and the director, make while the film was being, you know, filmed because of some logistical issues or anything like that? Uh, well, we had a lot of those. We had a lot of logistical uh, issues. Um, it was a, a kind of a, sm- a smaller budget film, so we didn't really have... Uh, makeup days really and we kind of had to roll with it no matter what the weather or anything like that but we had a couple there are two two scenes in the movie that are were completely made up on the spot which is uh both uh challenging and annoying at the same time but they turned out you know um but we um we had one day that was going to be completely filmed outdoors in the woods with this kind of monster figure or whatever but uh some rain hit and it wasn't going to uh let up and it turns out that the the costume, this monster costume, was made of uh, yak fur. And for some reason, the yak fur couldn't get wet. Okay. Uh, so I don't know why. It seems like yaks should be able to get wet. But anyway, I uh, so I had to kind of improvise and move the whole thing inside this um, random camp building and make up a, a whole sequence uh, oh. there. And So the camp building wasn't originally in the sea? No. Not wow, that was... Fortuitous that there was one there. Yeah, and we yes, exactly. And we kind of made it up within about a thirty-minute time period, and said, "All right, now this is what's going to happen." And it turned out to be one of the funnier s- sequences in yes. the in the film. But that happened a couple times. That uh, we had a location drop out one day. They had a wedding there, and they said, "Sorry, we didn't know we can't have a wedding simultaneously." And so we had to rewrite some stuff and move things around. And um, yeah, every day it was something uh, new. But that. You know, that's independent filmmaking. How long? How long was the shooting schedule? I think we did it in about twenty, about twenty-five days or something like that. Yeah, about twenty-five mm-hmm. days. Two day, two or three. We had to go two or three days longer than planned, uh, I think, but uh, which cost a bit. But you know, it was quite ambitious because you were you were wanting to be true to these locations by actually shooting at these locations, and so you'd have to company move so many times to just get down the coast so you're traveling with Lyle and Addison as they're going yes. down the company was actually doing yeah that, big so. distances between these places you know we yeah. kind of broke a lot of rules of what to do for a 
first-time filmmaker, you know, pick a location, do something there. We had some 20 locations stretching over thousand miles or something <laughs> and and how many cast members i mean you oh, i'm sure some of them were extras or whatever but still they you had troubadour performers and and people in viking costumes and <laughs> yeah it was big it Amazing was big locals coming in coming through for you and yeah that we had people the locals there in uh in duluth and, and grand marais and everywhere in between really really went to bat for us and they had a lot of fun with it and stuff so we were able to tell a very intimate story on a on a kind of a grand scale you know a little budget that we wanted to make this little movie feel like it was big you know and uh, and it kind of does there's a uh, an interesting boat scene uh whose boat was that that doesn't exist anymore <laughs> again again another uh, local who was incredibly um gracious in just giving us that boat uh, you know i sort of Originally, that wasn't uh, in the, the, the early drafts. It was going to be a much smaller uh, contained situation, but uh, I, I wanted a bit of a spike at that point in the film. So uh, we reached out to a couple people, and he was like, yeah, you could have, have this boat. I don't need it. So we had uh, one shot to get that right. I, I, that's what I was going to say. You, you had better do it right the first time. <laughs> yeah, I love had. how we're not saying what happened. <laughs> no, I can't. Yeah. I no. <laughs> yeah, we had one shot and two cameras to do it. So Good. Okay. I try not to give away any spoilers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to watch it. Tantalize, to tantalize the yeah, audience right, to see what's exactly. actually we're talking about. Um, so... Minnesota. So you said you're from Pennsylvania. I'm not actually okay. from Pennsylvania, uh, but uh, my grandfather spent some time there and stuff. Uh, I was I was an army brat, so I moved around a lot, uh, and I had never spent any time in Minnesota actually. But uh, when I started learning about the locations there and the folklore and all that, I kind of I kind of uh, fell in love with the area. Now, after the time spent there and and having the film play there and all that, it feels a bit like a second home. It's kind of nice up there. So basically, you you came up, you heard the legends, you came up with the story, and then you filmed it. Yeah. Pretty much. So that's a chronological order. <laughs> yeah, when I saw the little town of Grand Marais first, when I saw that for the first time, uh, just kind of, I wanted to set the whole story there because it was such a unique little charming town. Uh, but then the more I explored the area, uh, the script got bigger and the legends got bigger and the, and the um, logistics for the production got more complicated. <laughs> so uh, time period. So you wrote the play, the movie, when... You had 25 days, 26 days to film it, and then post-production was how long? Uh, post-production, I feel like we just, it feels like it's, when I watch the movie, I feel like it's still going on in my head, you know what I mean? But it, I think I wrote it, and I wrote this one pretty quick, and it was just a couple of weeks, but I sat on it, the idea, for almost a year. Uh, then the 25 days of filming, and then the post went on for, jeez, uh, it went on, we... It was a, it felt like a quick post production, and then we had it premiere in L.A. and Atlanta, and then we went back and we tweaked some, some things and all that. So I think we finished it in January or something. The, this January. Okay. So, so that's yeah. less than a year and a half turnaround. Yeah, the whole thing. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, especially it's it's a it's a complicated story. Uh, you know, location wise. Uh, wardrobe-wise, and then uh, the length of the film. It's a good size, you know, it's not somebody's 20-minute short. It's a a full-length film. Yeah, yeah, and and our, you know, our post-production, we kind of were out of money in a lot of ways, so we had to kind of piecemeal our post-production. And Rachel, who started off as just, you know, an actor in the film, became essentially a post-production producer on the film, too, getting involved in that side of things. Um, So, but, you know, we pulled it together. (laughs) So I have to uh, ask Rachel about uh, one of the co- co-stars, and I'm not giving anything away because it's, it's, 
he's in one of the first scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, the your robot travel companion. Right. <laughs> we, when you meet Lyle and you see how she lives, and then you see what she has in the front seat of her car, um, I think it. Uh, hopefully, you you are curious when you meet them and you're wondering, well, what's the story there? Um, but yeah, Mr. The Wondering Robot is my um, travel companion. He is a um, hitch hitchhiking robot, essentially. I think when we were dis- originally discussing um, where he came from, what his what his story was, um, Daniel had mentioned being inspired by um, a, a robot that actually existed similar in a similar way um, that it inspired. But what what's interesting is as you find out throughout the story is um, how important Mr. is in the relationship area for Lyle's life, how she is um, sort of compensating for a lot of things that have, that she's lost through an essentially an inanimate object. um, And why, why um, he's relevant and why he talks the way that he does and why he um, she just can't bear to leave him with a safer family why she can't let him go and um, and that was interesting to explore because I think what I love and what challenges me the most is um, an actor who you know you're given you're given a a challenge to make something come alive, make something feel authentic, um, and actually experience those emotions um, to the best of your ability to work with an object instead of a person, instead of somebody you can look in their eyes and have a human moment with. Um, I had to really fabricate that. Yes. And Daniel really coached me through some moments with him that um, helped and that brought me to a place where hopefully the audience is seeing the sentimental relationship and seeing Lyle's attachment to him. Um, hopefully that communicates clearly so much of what she is compensating for and mm-hmm. why he's sort of a, a living-ish, breathing, coping mechanism. I mean, uh He's in the trailer, so I'm not giving anything away. No. Um, uh, where did you come up with this idea? It was a it was a thing that was called um, it was called Hitchbot. I read I read an article in 2011 or 12 or something years ago, and it was just a it was essentially like this beer beer keg with a face on it, and you sit it on the side of the road in Canada, and it was a kind of kind of a social experiment where you people on the highway will pick him up, take a picture with him, and put it on Twitter, and then. The goal was to see if he could get across the country uh, to get to Toronto or, or somewhere, uh, and he and he did. But then the the experiment kind of continued into the United States, and then within a couple of days, he was torn apart and left on the side of the road or whatever. I remember reading about this. Yeah, it almost reminds me. There's also the traveling gnome and all that stuff. Yeah. but I definitely remember reading about this. Yeah, so yeah. I kind of I was kind of uh, weirdly touched by that story, and I wanted to t- you know take some elements of that and expand on it. And then I wondered what it would be like to have sort of this. GPS uh, travel bot thing, who kind of a traveling Wikipedia thing instead to see who could be kind of your friend, but also kind of tell all of those, um, you know, the wandering people of the world kind of where they are and what they could see while on the highways, you know. And you can play uh, Nintendo on him. Yes, you can. He, you can do a lot of things. Time and for that. Definitely yeah. in the world of Alexa and Google uh, Roommate or whatever yeah. it calls it. I mean, I you, you could tell that you wrote the character of the robot the right way because at one point um, Rachel's running through the woods and he loses his foot 
And I was like, oh, my God, is she going to go back and pick it up? (laughs) (laughs) So you feel, you actually feel for this robot. And then he falls at one point, and you're like, I hope the screen didn't break. I hope the screen didn't break. And I feel that way when I watch it. I'm like, oh, he fell really hard. That is not good. He is not going to recover from that. And we ended up getting one of my my favorite actors to voice the robot. I was going to mention that, yes. Yeah, Harold Perrineau got to, he did that for us. So he brought it to life, too. Uh, he was in Lost and Oz and yeah. quite a few other TV shows. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. It, uh, the Edge. The Edge. The one film The Edge, one of the <laughs> greatest films of all time. Oh, yeah. And his, do- is his daughter? Yeah. yeah, yeah his daughter wrong. is Rachel's uh, best friend, Addie. Yeah. Addie, yeah. Um, well, you are the closing film for the festival. Yeah, we're psyched. How, how does that feel? To oh, it's an honor. It's yeah. an honor. Feels really good. Feels yeah. really good. I've heard great things about the festival. You guys seem to um, have had a really good turnout, and for you know, for it being here and um, the second year, just everybody's enthusiasm and mm-hmm. the momentum behind it. It's really exciting. It's it's been a great festival. I mean, we we've been. You're my 35th podcast, so it's been oh, wow. great. Yeah. Um, just talking with the different uh, filmmakers, um, and. Your film is a great film. It's beautifully done, wonderfully acted, um, nice. and and the dialogue and the whole story is great. I appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. Tend to agree. I mean, you could see you could see the quality of it in just the costumes and the and the the expansiveness of this of this film. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it on the big screen. I've already seen it, as you know, by what I've already told you about what I know about it. <laughs> well, yeah. But on my Kindle, so now I'll be able to see it on the big oh, screen. Oh, much, much more oh, yeah. of yes. an experience. The <laughs> color palette alone is worth it, I think. Just, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful love letter to Minnesota, as I've heard you say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Aside from this story, just uh, celebrating a place in America I had never been to before and got to work in and fall in love with this state. And it's been, it's been such a neat thing to see um, how it's unraveled and yeah, I think people want to go there after they, oh, they yeah. see it, you know. Like, I want to go back in the fall and experience it there just on a vacation. Oh, it's, it's a pretty incredible area. I want to go in the winter where they have those ice sculptures and things like that, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that'll um, be the sequel. Yeah, and see Mary Tyler Moore's statue. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that sweet. Um, what do you have next coming up? Anything? Oh, yeah, there's, you know, the thing about my job is... There's always stokes in the fire. You're working, and the hope is that you always um, are keeping the momentum. And I usually take these um, take these very long vacations because I know I'm going into a long job or a long production. Um, but I have nothing lined up for the fall, um, which is a very interesting place to be because that means it's a blank canvas that with auditioning, I could say yes to anything. Anything that comes in is an open door to a potential job that could be really exciting. Um, but it's also frightening because you always wonder, is this the last thing I'm ever going to work on? Is this the last film I'm ever going to make? No, and no. The honesty behind that um that realization is it's it could be a scary time but it's also how i choose to look at it is something is coming i believe that and um just got to put the work in and i'm in classes and i'm staying involved with short films and projects that my friends are doing to sort of stay invigorated for the art of of filmmaking which is my um my love and we'll see what comes i i really don't know where are you based i'm in atlanta atlanta yeah Mm -hmm. 
which which is a, a good filmmaking area. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. It's There's always something to get your hands. Always some set to be on. Whether you're helping a friend with something or you're, I'm I'm actually writing a short right now to um, hopefully shoot in the winter. And when I'm not working on the, on Virginia, Minnesota, I'm I'm trying to write and create some things from the ground up. Um, Slowly but surely. And Daniel, you have another film in you? Yeah, I've been trying to get this uh, bed and breakfast thriller, I call it, off the ground that uh, that I've, um, I'm have i pretty proud of. It's a little very different from Virginia, Minnesota. Oh, yeah. But uh, in between uh, Virginia, Minnesota and that one, it's just kind of the odd odd film jobs here and there. But I'm always I'm always working on something. So. Well, the fact that it's a bed and breakfast, it seems like it's going to be a lot less location shooting. Yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> I learned goodness. some lessons. Reel it in, Daniel. Yeah. Reel it in. Yeah, one location, <laughs> one character. No. <laughs> well, um, I want to thank you both for coming. Thanks for having Congratulations us. Congratulations yeah, on the fun. film. Appreciate and that. I'm looking forward to seeing it on the big screen tonight. It's a beautiful film. But uh, before we leave, I'd like to thank our wonderful sponsors, Blog Talk Radio, for providing an excellent platform for our podcast. I'd also like to thank Atee's Organic Coffee and Tea Cafe in Kew Gardens. Uh, they've been our host throughout the entire festival. And um, even though the, and they've been get, giving our uh, ticket holders and badge holders 10% discount for the coffee and bakery goods and it's been delicious coffee and even though the festival may be ending soon continue to patronize the teas they've been a wonderful host kept me totally caffeinated throughout the entire 36 podcasts that we've had and even though that the festival may be this year's festival may be coming to an end please continue to look at us on our website www www.kewgardensfestivalofcinema.org We'll have photos uh, so that you can reminisce about how wonderful this festival was and also to uh, have updates on what's coming up in year three. Uh, these podcasts are also on the, uh, the website and you can listen to all or any of the 36 that we've I've had the pleasure of talking to these wonderful guests with. So uh, thank you very much. This is Craig Horsley signing off. Till next time. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.